being lost. Being lost can be, oh, so scary. I mean, have you ever been lost? Ever been really uncertain about how to find your way out of the darkness? Some years ago, a friend of mine and her sister got lost. They were, I don't know, seven, eight years of age. It was more than 20 years ago, so the times, they were a little different. Kids had a bit more autonomy or freedom to explore their neighborhoods, and these two girls, they were adventurous. Before they knew it, they had journeyed beyond the boundary lines of their family's property and into the woods of Alabama. The more they tried to find their way out of the woods, the deeper in they went. And as the late afternoon sun was sinking, they realized that they were utterly and completely lost. Today, we are going to talk about being lost and found as we explore two of the parables of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. Luke was introduced to us last week by McGray. He was a contemporary of Paul, a co-worker, if you will, and he went back to consult eyewitnesses so he could write down an orderly account of the things that had come to pass. And the bottom line of Luke's findings, his gospel proclamation is that God's love is inclusive and welcomes everyone. Yes, according to Luke, the mission of Jesus was to proclaim that God's love is wider and God's agenda is bigger than ours. Today, we pick up with Jesus on the journey to Jerusalem and he's teaching along the way on the road for truly, following Jesus is a journey. And as we travel together, we learn more and more about him. Along the way, Jesus is preaching and healing people. He meets the poor and the sick, the lame and the blind. He meets Samaritans. You know, he's in relationship with those other people, those folks that, well, few want to hang out with. Why is that? Often, it is out of fear, I think. Fear that doing so will soil one's good reputation. I don't know, but it does seem to be true. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they notice all of this. And well, there is growing frustration and anger at the one who speaks and acts so boldly and so lovingly, namely Jesus. Yep, he's in trouble again in trouble for hanging out with the wrong people and acting in such gracious and hospitable ways. Listen again to the first two verses that we read. Now, all of the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Think how different their understanding and our whole interpretation would be if we simply omitted that one word, grumbling. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the scribes and the Pharisees were saying, This fellow, he welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Eating with them means that there is a relationship and acceptance. Jesus has aligned himself with them. He is with them. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. 
Now that, that would have been a very true and powerful affirmation about Jesus. (sighs) But it's not how they experienced what was happening. No, indeed, they grumbled. And so, in response, Jesus tells these religious insiders, these believers, folks like you and me, he tells them two parables, two little stories that are trying to teach them something new about God. And also, I think maybe he is suggesting, maybe he's giving just a bit of encouragement to them to stop grumbling, to quit fussing about who God is letting into the kingdom and simply start enjoying the gift of the good shepherd's love. It seems that this is still an issue for many of us in the life of Christ Church over 2,000 years later. And so, in the first of these two stories, a shepherd leaves his flock of 99 to go look for a single lamb that is lost. He searches and searches in the wilderness until he finds it. And then he asks, now, which one of you wouldn't have done the same? Well, the answer for most of us would probably be none of us. I mean, no sensible, practical shepherd would endanger the owner's investment by risking 99% just to recover 1%. So the story kind of contradicts some basic common sense. But the shepherd, the shepherd finds that lost sheep. He carries the lamb on his shoulders. He rejoices. He calls friends and neighbors over and he throws a party to celebrate. He is so delighted to have found his lost lamb. Wouldn't you do the same? Jesus asks. And again, the answer is, I don't think so. I mean, seriously, a party for neighbors and friends? No way. That that would cost more than the value of that one sheep. It seems like Jesus has some funny, maybe even some risky economics operating here. But this shepherd, this shepherd is unlike any shepherd that anyone knows and places a higher value on one individual sheep than is reasonable or practical. Indeed, Jesus recognized that for all sheep to matter, That one lost sheep had to matter. In the second story, a woman loses one of her 10 silver coins. Now, we don't know much about this woman, but the coin was very valuable to her. Perhaps, perhaps it was part of her dowry. Perhaps it was her rent and groceries for the next several months. But immediately she stops what she is doing, setting aside whatever else was on her agenda at the time. And she lights a lamp and she sweeps the entire house, looking carefully, painstakingly, meticulously for that coin. And she doesn't give up. She searches until she finds it. And then, like the shepherd, she calls together her friends and neighbors and she asks them to come and celebrate the recovery of the coin. Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. You see, for all the coins to matter, finding the one that was lost had to matter. Searching. Searching for what is lost requires risk. Remember the two girls who were lost in the woods? Their fearful parents, they had done 
all they knew to do, had been searching on their own, and so desperate were they that they risked reaching out to total strangers to ask for help. You see, this family was new in the community, and the girl's parents, well, they weren't believers. In fact, they may have even been a little skeptical of the church at that time. But there was a church nearby, and they were having a Wednesday evening program. And so these distraught parents explained the situation, and they asked for help. A leader from the church, Mary Alice, they they call her Ma Al, Now, she could have said, I'm sorry, we have 99 folks in here waiting for worship to begin. But she didn't. No, she got her church to cancel services that night. And another small church down the road was called and they did the same thing. And before long, it seemed like the whole community was searching for these newcomers, these lost girls. Like the shepherd who went into the wilderness searching for the lost lamb, the parents risked their pride and asked these church members, asked these strangers for help. And like the woman, turning on all the lights and sweeping every corner clean, church members were wandering through the woods, seeking out what was lost. And so as darkness fell, over a hundred people were rummaging through the woods on foot, on horseback, and even on four-wheelers with their headlights on, searching for what is lost. It requires risk. And just like the sheep and the coin, these girls, they were worth the risk. In the woods, the girls were quite fearful. And one of them now had fallen and had hurt her leg, intensifying their feelings of lostness. They actually heard voices, unfamiliar voices. And so they were terrified that these strangers might hurt them. So they hid. You know, I learned this week that even though a sheep has the ability to bleat out its distress, often it does not do so out of fear. Instead, it will curl up and lie down in the wild brush, hiding itself from predators. It is so fearful in its seclusion and isolation that it cannot help in its own rescue. The sheep is immobilized, so the shepherd must bear the full weight to bring it home. Similarly, the lost coin, an inanimate object, it's unable to announce its presence So its rescue is totally dependent upon the woman's persistence. And these two young girls, they were so lost. They were at the mercy of the search party. Have you ever been lost? Ever felt that adrift, that abandoned, that vulnerable? I think this parable is reminding us that even we, insiders, we who are already in the church, we who know we are in God's care, we too can get lost. In fact, we do get lost. 2020 has made many of us feel lost. Some of us have lost our sense of belonging because we feel so isolated and alone. Some have lost our capacity to trust others to trust systems, to trust our leaders, especially after hearing of yet another act of senseless violence. 
any number of us may experience this kind of lostness when illness comes into our lives or when we lose a loved one or learn that over a million people have now died from the coronavirus in the past few months. Yes, we feel lost when our economic future seems unstable, when a relationship crumbles, when a friend or family member disappoints us and breaks our heart. We may feel it when anxiety or addiction, bitterness or hatred make us unsure of our footing and we lose our way. Yes, we get lost, so desperately lost that the shepherd has to wander through the rugged wilderness to find us. That's right. God isn't holding back, remaining in the fold with the 99 insiders, just waiting for that little lost lamb to return. God isn't relaxing on her couch without a care in the world, counting the nine coins she is holding in her hand. No, God is where the lost things are. One commentator put it like this. God is where lostness reigns. God is in the darkness of the wilderness. God is in the remotest corners of the house. God is where the search is at its fiercest. God is that shepherd who risks it all, who searches, who endures, who resists any temptation to stop seeking until that lost lamb is found. And when found, rejoices celebrates, indeed throws a party. Well, finally, 10 hours after they had gone missing, the girls heard the gentle and comforting voice of their father. And that gave them the will to come out of hiding and they raced towards him. One of them said, we were safe, tired, and dirty, but we were found, welcomed, and loved. There was much rejoicing that night, a real big celebration. But beyond that, because the family had gained so much trust with these church folks, they allowed their girls to attend an upcoming children's event. And one of the girls said to me, I felt such love and acceptance in that church. I never looked back. I was there every week and have been involved for years after college, I served as a missionary, and now I am in seminary, thanks to their searching for and welcoming of me. Searching for something requires risks, and when found, it insists on great rejoicing. Friends, Jesus tells these parables to religious insiders who won't admit their own lostness. Remember, they were grumbling, upset with Jesus because he welcomes sinners and eats with them. He stands with those people and is in relationship with them. Why? Because Jesus is trying to teach them something more about who God is. And the starting point is grace. It's about searching, not criticizing. It's about finding, not chastising. It's about rejoicing, not condemning. When I'm honest, I realize that I can... Perhaps we can be a lot like those Pharisees who think we have it all figured out. But sometimes, sometimes we get stopped along the road and we realize that we are utterly and completely lost without God. 
I pray this day that we would all be reminded that God is like the woman who goes crazy over a lost coin. And then when finding it, she spends it. She wastes it in order to throw a party. God is like the shepherd leaving 99 at risk to go and search for the one who was probably going to go and wander off again real soon. But that is the kind of God we serve. The angels, they're jumping for joy, even more than the fans did at the Stanley Cup final when the Lightning's Braden Point scored the winning goal on Monday night. You see, it's about being found. Imperfect, broken, lost people being loved, cherished, and welcomed home. So rejoice, laugh, and be glad, for Jesus says, come, come and sit at my table and eat. You, you are welcome here. Let's pray. Oh, sweet Jesus, we thank you for the invitation to sit at your table. And on this World Communion Sunday, we ask that you give us eyes to recognize your reflection in the eyes of people everywhere. Give us a mind to accept and celebrate our differences and give us a heart that is big enough to love your children everywhere. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen.